Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. As we dig in today, uh, I was thinking about it this week. I don't think I've ever shared the story of how my wife Katie and I began dating, how we fell in love, all right? So I was like, man, that'd be a fun story. Would you guys like to hear that story? Sure you would. Everybody loves a good love story. So, um, so Katie and I, we met because of Foothills, okay? And we were in a small group together. And, um, you know, this is, I'm, I'm single, I'm 21 at the time. And this was before Tinder. So if, if you were a young Christian single, what you did to find other Christian singles, you went to a small group at a church. That's just what you did. You didn't swipe right. You just went to a small group. If there were no fish in the pond, you went to the next small group to see who might be in, in that small group. I'm totally kidding. That's horrible. <laughs> Anyways, Katie and I were in a small group together. This group was actually growing, and Katie and I were in a group of friends that we started hanging a little more than that group. We started hanging out and, and doing dinner with, with a group of friends, small group of friends, and we didn't like each other at first, but it, there came a point where I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot stop thinking about Katie J. I'm thinking about Katie J a lot. We called her Katie J because her maiden name was Johnson. I was like, I just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know how to approach this because what I didn't want to do was approach it, get rejected, and then kill the friendship. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you are friends and you're in a friend group and, and you approach and there's rejection, you're no longer, it's not the same anymore. And I really didn't want to have that dynamics. So I was like, I gotta be sure that I'm sure. And then I did what every 21-year-old young creative musician did. I wrote a really, really, really cheesy song. Like super cheesy. And as a songwriter, I'm always looking for some angle to write a song if I'm going through something emotional or if there's some spiritual thing God's doing. I'm like, all right, let me, let me write a song. I never, I never had any intention really of showing her this song. I mean, it was like very, very low intention. This was more just to ex- express my feelings. Really, really cheesy. Do you guys want to hear the song today? You want to hear the song? You will never hear that song, I promise. <laughs> I can promise you that. So I go up to the church, I have like some recording equipment up there, and I, I record like a rough draft of this song. I'm adding all the instrumentation to it, and it's a fun experiment, but it takes time. So I'm there well beyond midnight on this random uh, day of the week, and I'm finishing up my first draft. I'm just going to head home, go to bed. No biggie. Awesome time. All of a sudden, I mean, it's past midnight, I get a text from Katie J, and she says, what are you doing at the church so late? Like, oh no. Like she drove by, she saw my car at the church, and you know, after midnight, you don't make any rational decisions. So I'm contemplating, I'm like, okay, I got two options here. I can go home tonight, move on, pretend this never happened, and I could be a coward, or I could be a man, and, and I could send her the song, and I could tell her what's going on, and I chose to be a man. So I said, <laughs> I said I'll show you what I've been working on, uh, what's your email address, I send her this really cheesy song. I send a very long email basically describing, hey, here's how I've been feeling, what I've been thinking, but I, I make the biggest exit ramp possible. Like, look, no pressure. If you don't feel the same, no big deal. We can still be friends. We can pretend this never happened. No worries at all. Now, if you were to talk to both of us, this is the part of the story that you would hear two different accounts for how long it took for me to hear something back. 
Anytime there's two different stories between the two of us, I promise you, I'm right. I promise. <laughs> I send this song, and I don't hear anything back for two hours. Two hours. I'm not going to bed. I don't care how late it is. Like, I've just, I've just exposed myself, right? I've thrown my heart out there. I, I went back to my apartment. I'm literally, like, pacing my apartment, like, I'm never going to hear from her again. Like, she's going to leave the group. We're not even going to be friends. She hates me. She hates the song. She doesn't know how to say no. It's going to be late. What am I going to do? This is horrible. Finally, ding, I get a text message from Katie J. I promise you she gave me permission to share what I'm about to share with you, okay? I promise. And I would love for you to maybe let me know what you think, if this was a good response or a bad response. <laughs> because here's what the text message said. I'll open it up. It says, Kevin, my stomach just shot out of my mouth, and my heart just shot out of my butt. <laughs> I knew right then she was the one. <laughs> that was it. It was a good thing. We went on a date the next night. Here we are almost 11 years later. We've been married nine years. We've got two girls, and, and couldn't be happier. She, she's incredible. We all love good love stories. We love hearing about how people began dating. We love watching movies that have great love stories. Even when there's love stories involved in shows that aren't really about that love story, uh, we get drawn to them. One of my favorite shows is The Office, which is a comedy. But there's a whole story of love between two characters, Jim and Pam, that goes on that totally draws you in because we're drawn to love stories. The reason for that is because we were all created to experience love. We were created to love and to be loved. And there's different types of love, right? There's, there's romantic love, which I just talked about you know, with Katie and I, but there's also love that a family shares, a love between a parent and a child. There's, there's brotherly love or, or the love that's in a friendship that two friends have together or a group of people have for one another. And then there's, there's, there's this sacrificial, unprecedented, perfect love that is described in the Bible as agape love that only God can give. All of this love is something that we were created to experience because we were created in the image of God. And here's what the Bible says about God. In 1 John 4, 16, it says God is love. We were created in God's image who is love. So we were created to experience this type of love. We were created to give this type of love. What else is true about God is that he's perfect. So I kind of want to do a, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C for, formula for us for a moment. If, if love is God, if those are the same, the Bible also says that God is perfect. So if love is God and God is perfect, then it would also be a true statement to say that love is perfect, correct? Love is God, God is perfect, then love is perfect. That would be a true statement. If we're being honest, that is not how we have experienced love in our lives around us. You might agree with me that God is love and you might agree with me that God is perfect, but you might struggle to see a world in which love is perfect. The truth is that's, that's not God's fault, that's our fault. <laughs> because God is perfect and he is love, but humans, people, are not perfect. And so as a result of not, us not being perfect, we are not fully able to walk in his love to the fullness that is there. 
So as a result, love is being distorted and has been distorted in our world. That is why we are walking through this series because we're wanting to look at the truth about what love is in a world that has been distorting his love. So week one, Pastor Greg talked about tough love where love exists within discipline, which has totally been distorted in our world. And then week two, Pastor Greg talked about the illogical love that God has for you and for me. And then last week, we talked about the undivided attention that we're given in love, yet our world is so distracted, we see distortion when it comes to an undivided, attentive type of love. Today, we're gonna look at an aspect of love that we've really struggled to see, but we also really struggle to walk out. This comes from 1 Corinthians 13. This is the love chapter. Verse eight says this, love never fails. A truth about love is that it doesn't have a quit button. It doesn't have a finish line. It doesn't have a move on from here. It doesn't give up. It doesn't stop. And that's the truth about how God loves you and I. In Jeremiah 31.3, he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is what he said to his people Israel, but this promise sustains for anyone who's called on Jesus and is a child of God. He loves you with an everlasting love. Love, true love, does not give up. It does not quit. But that is being distorted in our world. That's not the type of love that we're seeing. Did you know that almost 50% of couples who are married today will be divorced later? I believe that the, the actual number right now this year is that 46% of marriages are ending in divorce. And now today is not just a marriage message. It, it's for all of us, because remember I said there's, there's many different types of love Marriage is important, but there's actually two institutions that God put in place for his love to be shown and for him to be shown to the world. There one institution is marriage, but the other institution is the church, meaning all of the followers of Jesus. That the way that a husband and wife choose to love each other is a sign of God's love and it displays his love to the world, but also the way that people love each other, the way that our church loves each other, the way that our church loves other churches, the way that people love each other is a sign of God's love to the world. This is what Jesus said in John 13. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for one another is a picture of his love. Yet we struggle so much to quit and give up. One of the reasons is, I just shared earlier about Katie and I's story, the beginning of a relationship is filled with so much infatuation. There's so much vision and there's so much dreaming and, and hope for, for what could be. Yet what happens is, as we start to take steps into that relationship, we find out that that individual isn't exactly perfect like we, we dreamed or hoped they would be. They don't meet every expectation and that feeling starts to fade and what we do is, is we think, well, we gotta hunt for that feeling again. So I'm gonna kind of give up on this situation and I'm gonna go hunt over here and maybe, maybe try to, to start a new relationship. And it doesn't just happen in the context of romantic relationships. This happens in our group of friends. This happens in our churches. 
We start to feel like, hey, people are imperfect. I'm not receiving what I feel like I should be receiving in this. It doesn't feel the way it once did, so I'm going to take my love somewhere else. I'm going to give it somewhere else. And then those people are going to show me they're imperfect, and I'm going to take my love, and I'm going to give it somewhere else. This is the picture of love that is being displayed to our world. And if our love is, is the arrow that's pointing to who God is, no wonder so many people are walking away from faith in God and faith in the church. Because they're not getting an accurate picture of what his love actually is. So today, I want to talk about how we can grow in developing a love that never gives up. A love that Jesus has offered us. And this is not a message of shame. If you've had areas where you've quit or if you've experienced divorce, I want you to know every single person in this room, married or not, struggles to quit on love and struggles in areas of their life where they've given up on love. So this message is for all of us today. It's an invitation. It's never too late to start diving into that. I'm gonna pray for us, but even before I do that, I wanna invite us into a couple of ground rules. The first ground rule is an invitation. Anytime that we have a message on love and we talk about marriage specifically, and really this goes for any topic, it is very, very easy to listen through the lens of what you're hoping the other party will hear. It's very easy to listen and to kind of grab ammo <laughs> for later, right? It's easy to listen to what they should change. I want to invite you today to not do that. I want to invite you today to listen for you, for numero uno. I, I want you to really look in the mirror as we're looking at God's word the only person that you have the ability to affect change in after you leave here today is you. So I want to invite you, listen for how you can develop a love that never gives up. The second is not so much a ground rule as it is just some uh, clear parameters of what our discussion is about today. Because I know some of you might have a question, well, what about the biblical grounds for divorce? Because there is biblical, there are biblical grounds for divorce. There are definitely biblical grounds for, for separating from a group of people or a church or creating distance or, 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 or turning in a different direction. There is definitely biblical grounds for all of that. Today's conversation is not covering that category specifically, okay? What we're gonna talk about is just the average situation where we're struggling to continue in love. Let me read a verse and then I'm gonna pray for us. 1 John four nineteen says, we love each other because he loved us first. Lord, I just pray right now for every single one of us in this room. God, we thank you for your love. I pray that we would be overwhelmed by your love this morning. Overwhelmed by a love that hasn't given up on us. It hasn't stopped pursuing us. I pray that we'd be overwhelmed by your forgiveness and your mercy today. I pray that we'd listen and be inspired for how we can love in that way. And Lord, where we failed in the past, we do ask that you forgive us, but I also pray that there would not be shame anywhere in this room today. That Jesus, you would just love the shame away from us in this space. And that we'd step confidently into a hope that we have ahead in your love, in us and through us. Amen. Number one, number one. A love that never fails creates a safe place. A love that never fails creates a safe place. See, we've been, we said earlier that love, love is, 
is not a feeling. Feeling is something like we go after that infatuation, that hope, or, or the dreams that we create. Love, it goes beyond when the feelings fade. Love is an action. 1 Corinthians 13 is, is filled with a lot of descriptions of what the action of love looks like. And I'd encourage you after today to go read all of 1 Corinthians 13. It is jam-packed. But for today's conversation with these three points, we're gonna look at just verse seven, which leads into that, that concluding statement in verse eight that says love never fails. We're gonna look at a list right there at verse seven. So 1 Corinthians 13, seven starts with, it always protects. It always protects. A love that never gives up creates a safe place by protecting. Another translation says that it bears all things. What the scriptures are speaking to here in the original language is they're speaking to the reliability and the trustworthiness that is created within a relationship. Is your marriage, is your group, is your church, is it a safe place? Are you creating a safe place for other people? To help our minds wrap around this, I have a quote from A.W. Tozer. He said, if you know something that would hinder or hurt the reputation of one of God's children, bury it forever. I love that. If you know something that would hinder or hurt the reputation of one of God's children, bury it forever. A safe place is where you are allowing someone to bring their worst, and it's safe with you. Their secrets are safe, their fears are safe, their worries are safe, their mistakes are safe, their pain is safe, their story is safe, their hopes are safe, their dreams are safe. That you would create a safe place. And look, here's the reality. Jesus offers that to us. Your secrets are safe with Jesus. Your worries are safe with Jesus. Your fear is safe with Jesus. Your hopes, your dreams are safe with Jesus. And they're safe even though you're struggling to love him back. Even though you've failed at times of loving him back, he has not cr stopped creating a safe place for you. Even when you've sinned against him. And his love not only creates a safe place, it, it like covers the mistakes that have gone on. This is what First Peter says. It says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. It says, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. I think you'd agree with me about this observation, but if you were to look at a marriage, or if, you, if your marriage got into this spot, a relationship, if I began gossiping about Katie behind her back often. And, and if I just started kind of taking the things that, that she's trusted me with, the things I'm choosing to, to bear all, and I break that safety by just, the, just sharing whatever I want, whenever I want, or out of selfishness, if I need sympathy or empathy in a time. And listen, I'm, what I'm not saying, there's times to go talk to someone. I'm talking about ill intent, just I'm loose with it. I am just out there gossiping nonstop. That would be a massive check engine light for the love in our marriage. That would be a safe place that has been broken. And that would not be love that never gives up, but that would be love that's kind of choosing to, to kind of throw in the towel and give up. I think we'd all agree that, that, that that's not a great picture in a marriage, yet in our other relationships and the other places that we love, we struggle with this very much. We struggle to walk out of our workplaces and gossip about other people. 
We, we struggle to walk out of our small group and gossip about the people who shared something that mattered to them. We struggle to create a safe place and to uphold a safe place in this way. And when we're doing this, and we are, we're throwing in the towel instead of choosing a love that never gives up. See, gossip, gossip, the Bible talks about gossip. It's sin. Gossip is sin. Sin is not loving. God is not sin. His love covers sin, but it's not sin. When we're choosing to engage in sin, that's not a loving act. We're kind of canceling the opportunity to love in that moment. Love creates a safe place. So I want to encourage you on point one, you may ask this question later, you might write this down, but something to ponder, am I a safe place in my marriage? Am I a safe place in my marriage? And then ask it in other contexts. Am I a safe place in my group? Am I a safe place in my workspace? Am I a safe place in my family? Am I a safe place in my church? Number two, I love this one. Love that never gives up believes the best. Love that never gives up believes the best. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 goes on. It says it always protects, but it always trusts, and it always hopes. It always trusts and always hopes. This is a description of love, which is who God is, which means that this is how God chooses to love, that he always trusts and always hopes. This one kind of baffles me because God chooses to trust us even though we are not exactly trustworthy in that relationship. Like we've fallen short, right? We've, we've messed up, yet God chooses to trust us. So what this verse is not teaching is, is that love's not naive. God's not naive. Like, let me come over here and just say that this is naive camp. God's not naive in just giving trust and hope and expecting that that, that, that everything's gonna be perfect, you're gonna love him back perfect, you're never, gonna, you're never gonna need forgiveness or mercy. If you were capable of loving God back perfectly, there would have been no need for Jesus. God had a plan to continue trusting and hoping in you, so he doesn't live in naive camp, and he doesn't want you to live in naive camp, but the, the opposite end of that spectrum is over here where the enemy tries to get us, and we'll call this like cynicism's camp. And there's a lot of neighbors that, that live in this camp. Like fear is over here next to cynicism. And cynicism is when we don't always trust or always hope. It's not when we're believing the best. It's the opposite. Cynicism is when we expect the worst. We prepare to be let down. We prepare to be hurt. We're constantly staying at a distance because we've been hurt before. We kind of close off our heart. Cynicism will drive us to literally like push back and only go so far within a loving relationship and miss so much of the relationship because we're afraid. We've been hurt. We know how this story ends. We know what's gonna happen next. I, I can't go through that again. So cynicism, it keeps us at a distance. And what that, what that causes when we choose to give into that cynicism that the enemy's throwing our way is we miss out on the fullness of love that you were created to receive. And the fullness of love is the fullness of God. God is love. Love is God. When you miss out on the fullness of love that you were created to receive, you miss out on the fullness of God. The enemy would love for you to hang out in cynicism and fears camp so that you can miss out on the fullness that God has for you. And not only that, but it creates a really toxic environment in a relationship. 
What you believe about someone determines how you treat them. I'm going to say that again. What you believe about someone determines how you treat them. If you begin to believe that your spouse is annoying, you start to treat them differently. You, you start to treat them as if they are annoying to you. If you believe that your spouse is lazy, you start to treat them differently. Look, the decisions that your spouse makes or that other people make in your life, other relationships, the decisions they make, they're responsible for that. No doubt. But are you creating a healthy environment for them to be able to thrive or are you kind of pushing them down? Because have you not felt the difference of when you have someone who is constantly discouraging you versus times in your life when you've had someone in your corner that's cheering you on, that's rooting for you, that is encouraging you, that believes the best? When you believe that your spouse gives incredible advice, you're gonna talk to them a lot more about things going on in your life. You're gonna want it. You want their advice. You want their, their opinion. You want their thoughts on something. You want their relationship within that. When you believe that your spouse is strong and capable, you're gonna do whatever you can to help them chase their dreams and their visions, and you're gonna cheer them on. When you believe the best about your spouse, you give them the benefit of the doubt even when they let you down. Rather than coming up with this investigative situation where you figure out how they had a motive for this for the last 10 years, they've been plotting how they would hurt you. No, you give the benefit of the doubt and believe the best. This is how God loves you. This is how God loves you. Let me read Ephesians 2.10. Paul described us this way. He said, for we are God's masterpiece he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He planned this stuff long ago, which means long before, long before you would let him down, long before you would not be trustworthy. He planned stuff for you, and he planned for you to be a masterpiece. He sees you as a masterpiece. He hopes and trusts for who you're becoming, who you can be. He believes in you, and he believes in you at your worst moment, and he believes in you in your best moment. So the question around point two that I would encourage you to dive into is do I believe the best in others? Do I believe the best in my wife? Do I believe the best in my husband? Do I believe the best in my coworkers or in my boss? Do I believe the best in my friends? Do I believe the best in others? Number three, love that never gives up pushes through difficulty. Pushes through difficulty. Verse seven, it goes on. So it says, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And that concluding statement in verse eight, love never fails. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and then always perseveres. Perseverance is not when you arrive at a destination in an easy way. That, that's not a description of a very easy uh, journey. Perseverance describes the fact that you had stuff to overcome. There were battles. There was friction. 
There was difficulty along the way, and perseverance is continuing to push past that difficulty towards the vision of where you're headed. It's continuing to keep your eye on where you're headed, not the difficult circumstance stopping you where you are. It's pushing through all of that. I've shared this uh, earlier this year, but I, I made the mistake this last year of joining a running group, okay? This is where a group of guys go and run for distance for fun. I know, that sounds stupid. All right. <laughs> but th- this, this, is a, uh, this, this has been a journey because we've, we've, we've done some races. We did a half marathon and we did a trail race. And when the journey started, I was really kind of nervous about this. I really did it for the hang. I, ro- I wanted to get closer to these dudes and it has paid off for sure. Um, but uh, like, I don't remember running ever really in my life. I don't know if I maybe had hit three miles before, but I couldn't even track or figure it out because I never really tracked when I ran. The only time I really ran was if I was in trouble at football practice or something like that growing up. So when I got started, literally the first time I went out, tried to run two miles, I couldn't, I couldn't finish without walking. I had to walk part of it. And then I was just like, well, how am I ever going to run 13.2 or whatever it is for the half marathon? I can't, this is crazy. This is crazy. But I continued to push through. I'm like, no, I'm going to give it a shot. And I remember the different, the different milestones that I hit that were incredible. I remember the first time I hit five miles. I was like, wow, that's incredible. I never thought I could do that. That's awesome. And then I remember when I hit seven miles. That was, that was just over the halfway point. I was like, halfway? I can do this now. I just started to have confidence. I started to have a sense of accomplishment. When I hit 10 miles, I felt like Forrest Gump, straight up. <laughs> I was so stoked. But none of that compared to the moment when I hit that that milestone of the half marathon. We ran that race, that feeling of achievement, the excitement, just the, the, the playing back the journey, like all the training that got, got us ready for this. Like me and the guys that ran, there was just this sense of like, yes, this, this is awesome. I am so glad that we chose to push through. Love has different milestones and I, I shared earlier about how like it begins in these feelings of infatuation, dreams, and hopes. And then what happens is those feelings fade and we hit difficulty. And we think, I need to feel that again. I need to run over to this relationship now. I need to run over here to this group now. Or, or I need to jump into this church now because I'm longing for that feeling again. I don't have that feeling. I don't feel like we're in love anymore. This doesn't feel like what I thought or what I hoped. And that difficult time is trying to get you to stop. But here's what I can promise you. Just like those milestones had different levels of accomplishment and different feelings that I didn't even know existed, that is what happens as you continue to push through difficult times in your relationships and in your marriage. If you think that the feeling of infatuation is amazing, you wait till you get through a difficult time and see what you feel when your love has been practiced, tested, and proven. It is unbelievable. I shared earlier that Katie and I, we've been married nine years. I would not be telling you the truth if I said they were nine perfect, amazing years. There have been incredible incredible seasons and incredible years, but there's also been tough seasons, y'all. 
There's been seasons where we've had a hard time getting through. We've had a hard time choosing to love one another. There's been times that we've let each other down. We've hurt one another, where our dreams have, have kind of shifted because of circumstances or decisions. But there's also been forgiveness. There's also been support. There's also been on the other side, someone who knows my worst and is choosing to love me anyways. There's been dreams that have been restored. There's been battles that have lost, been lost, and there's been battles that have been won. Two months ago, we went out on a date. And we're, we're sitting at this date, and, and Katie's, Katie's sitting across from me. She's like beaming. She's always beaming, but she's beaming this night. I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with God's gratitude, like God's love. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude of this moment that I'm sitting in. And, and I'm playing back in my mind like all we've been through. And yeah, it's been hard at times. But it's also been so rich. And I just looked at her, I mean, full conviction in my heart, I looked at her. I said, Katie, I love you more today than I ever have. And I meant it with my whole heart. And she looked right back at me. And with the same conviction, she said, I feel the same. I love you more today than I ever have. Can I tell you something? The feeling on that night crushes the feeling of when we started dating. Those feelings of infatuation, they pale in comparison to a feeling that follows true, practiced, tested, proven love. And here's what I know. I'm not even the most, um, I'm not even the most, like, experienced in this area to talk about this. We've been married nine years. I know many of you could get up here and shout this from the rooftops at a greater level. I know that for many of you, I'm preaching to the choir, and I'd actually like to honor some of you. If you're in this room right now, and you've been married 25 years or more, would you lift your hand? Would you lift your hand? Look at that, y'all. Look at that. Look at that. Amazing amazing they'd get up here and tell you the exact same they would tell you the exact same love pushes through difficulty if you're in a tough season right now I want to encourage you keep running that race keep choosing to love that's what love is, and God's not leaving you alone. He's with you in this. So the question around point three today is, what do I need to push through? Where do I need to push through? In my marriage, in my friendship, in my workplace, in my church, where do I need to push through? My prayer for us, for all of us today, is that we would be inspired We'd be inspired to go out of here and display a love that never gives up because that's what shows God's love to this world. That we would be inspired to create a safe place in the way that we love. That we would be inspired to believe the best in others and that we would be inspired to push through difficult times. But I also know that while some of you may be inspired, others of you may feel a little bit defeated today. You may desire to love like that, but today what you're feeling is I don't have anybody who does love me that way. Like I haven't experienced that type of love. I don't feel like there's someone who, who loves me 
in a way that never gives up. If that's you today, I want you to know something. There is someone who loves you that much, and it's your creator. The Father, God, he loves you that much. He creates a safe place for you. And he wants to offer that safe place today. He believes the best in you, even at your worst moment. And he's willing to push through every bit of difficulty to show you that his love is eternal. It's everlasting. It doesn't give up. And where your sin separated you from him, he had a plan to love you enough to send his son. This is what 1 John says. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You can experience that type of love right now today. So I'm gonna pray, and if that's you, I wanna encourage you to ask Jesus to be your savior and to receive that love right now. You might pray a prayer like this. God, I need your love. I want your love. I know that I have fallen short of loving you perfectly. I know that I have sinned. But I believe that you loved me enough to send Jesus on my behalf. I believe that Jesus was perfect, but I believe that he paid a sinner's price by dying a sinner's death. And I believe that after that, you rose him from the dead. And so Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. Save me from my sins. God, I receive your love today, and I commit to love you back as best I can from this day forward. For the rest of us, I want to pray a passage from Ephesians over you before we leave. Just receive this as a prayer. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Amen.